Blog Talk Radio. The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Delve into life, death, and everything betwixt, between, betwixt, and beyond. Between, and betwixt, beyond. Betwixt, between, and beyond. With a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Hamilton and Heidi And welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us once again this month. My name is Hi C. I'll be your host for this evening's program. Charlie, my co-host, is on hiatus. Uh, I will remind you that if you would like to get into the queue for a reading a little later in the show, you can connect in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510. You can also listen to previous shows anytime here in the Blog Talk Radio archives. You can also find us on iTunes, not only this show, but every other show that the Soulvox Network offers. And I would encourage you to check those out, see what those are like. You may find some other things that you enjoy. And on iTunes, if you want, you can just subscribe to us. And that will allow you to just automatically receive new shows whenever they happen to air. I'm excited tonight about my guest, Donnelly De La Rose. She's going to be here, and we're going to have a very interesting discussion about something that I think sometimes isn't necessarily a focus that is often thought about when we talk about things like divination and oracles, tools like the tarot, the I Ching, the runes, etc., and that is how we can use those as almost like a best friend in times of support and to help us navigate through some of the more difficult or challenging times, situations, and areas of our life. So I think that you'll really enjoy this conversation, and hopefully you have a nice cup of tea that you can just sit back, relax, and listen, enjoy, and hopefully learn a little something as well as give you something to think about even after the show has finished. So... Enjoy my conversation with Donnelly De La Rose. Every day I bless the day that you 
de la Rose is host of the award-winning educational Tarot and Lenormand podcast, Tarot Tribe Beyond World. She's created over 250 free educational podcasts, which are still available to listeners today, as well as over 140 educational cardomancy and oracle instructional YouTube videos, also which are free. Donnelly has worked as a consultant to many who have created their own decks and is currently working on a how-to book on Lenormand to be published by U.S. Games. In October 2016, Donna will once again be presenting at the Northeastern Tarot Conclave in Pennsylvania, where this year's topic will be the Lenormand. Other presenters will include Rana George and Tarot legend Rachel Pollock. If you'd like to learn more about Donna Lay, her work, and her offerings, you can visit her website at www.donnalee.com, which is D-O-N-N-A-L-E-I-G-H.com. So please join us in welcoming to the Amethyst Oracle, Donnelly de la Rose. And welcome, Donna Lay. Thank you so much for taking time to do this and to join me here on the show, uh, particularly to talk about a topic that sometimes isn't the most comfortable or easiest for people to uh, talk about. So I appreciate you being willing to to talk about this. Um, my catalyst or my thought around this topic um, was because I know that over the past few years, you've gone through many ups and downs and quite a number of challenges and difficulties in your own life. At this point, you've come out the other side and are seemingly in a very good place. Um, but I'm uh, wondering if you can just give us a little bit of the context or background uh, in terms of the period of time where you were really challenged to deal with your own emotional states, to deal with a lot of grief, and also that feeling that there were a lot of things happening that were changing and out of your control, and how to kind of respond to those or just be with those in some way. So maybe if we can just go back a little bit and you can just give us a little bit of the story and background of the past few years and the, the, the many things that seemed to kind of pile up that were going on for you. Yes, thank you. And this is a very personal story. Um, all of us go through some kind of shakedown, breakdown, where we start to understand a little bit better about who we are, who we are not. I've always encouraged people to be their authentic self. And part of that for me was just when I really um, accepted the cards and started telling people about it, because it was always just a private thing with me. But I realized it really got much bigger than that. Um, my mother went through a period of um, changes. My mom and I had always been best friends growing up in high school. Um, she was like my best buddy. And when people my age were uncomfortable with their mother being at school, if they stopped by an event or going to the mall with their mom, I was a okay with being with my mom. We were really close and tight. 
So as I got older and things with her started to change, I um, my dad noticed changes in her. Each of us noticed things that none of us shared with each other because we thought it was her reaction to us. So I thought she was not happy with me anymore, and um, she got different, and her moods changed. My dad thought she might want a divorce. My parents are really tight and have always done everything together. So we all at the same time realized when my dad was vacationing with her, we had to actually, a family member had to fly down, help my dad bring my mom back up. She doesn't fly, so they had to help him drive her home. We realized she was in the throes of a brain disorder, a disease that's very degenerative and fast-moving. We believe it is PICS disease. Um, in the beginning, it's a lot of behavioral changes and no memory issues. As it progresses and becomes worse, it starts to present more like Alzheimer's disease. At that stage, there weren't memory issues, but she acted really strange and different. And um, it, it was a really scary thing that it progressed so quickly. We read that it was terminal. It can be as quick as two years. It can go up to 10 years. Um, really frightening thing. Um, this is a frontotemporal disorder. So in the brain, it's the front and the side. And that is the part of the brain where empathy lives. So my very empathic mother no longer understood other people's feelings or cared about other people's feelings. That's a hard thing to grasp when it's someone you love. Um, at that same time, I was also going through a whole series of things where somehow I was attracting people who had narcissistic personality disorder or sociopathy which is different than just narcissism and someone that's just full of themselves. It's a whole personality disorder. It can't be fixed. Um, there's a lot of situations where um, that become very confusing and illusion-filled because these people cannot help themselves. Uh, uh, pathological lying is just part of the disorder. So there was one where I was completely consumed in this illusion of what I thought was a friendship. None of it was real. Um, it was all fabricated stories. Um, another one, there was um, uh, like a competitive vibe that was coming at me and a lot of uh, fabrications that were going on. It's a very confusing thing. As I read books on that disorder, well, over 40 books, because I do like to read and I became obsessed with not letting this ever happen to me again, what was I doing to um, accept this into my life? I need to make sure I had to set clear boundaries. But I learned that, that was also a frontotemporal disorder, so that these people don't have the ability for empathy. It just doesn't exist for them, and that's it's part of um, like a winning game for them. So the need to have things um, and, and they can actually run over people to get them with no remorse because they didn't have that sense of empathy. And when you're an empathic person, it becomes almost hard to wrap your brain around not having empathy because really when you're empathic, almost everything you do is centered around trying to make other people okay around you. So between my mother having this and this whole thing happening, it was this tidal wave, this big tsunami of stuff coming at me. At this point, I was also 49. Well, actually, when it first started, this was about five years ago. But as I approached 50, and um, the big change happened when I was 49, I began to count down the years between when my mother got a disorder and my age. So when my mom first got the disorder... She was 62 when we saw the first signs of it. And I thought, you know, 
that was only at the time about 12 years from being 50. And I'm thinking, you know, my son is 18. And it seemed like yesterday we brought him home in that baby basket. It went by like a snap of my fingers. Life goes by quickly. And I realized very suddenly this epiphany that is my life where I want it? If this is all I've got, if I'm in this last phase, if I only had 12 years, what would I do with it? So I had to really evaluate where I was. And I ended up going through a process of completely changing my entire world, a very conscious shift where um, I ended up going through a divorce. Um, There was just no compatibility there, and I I didn't really have a partner for many, many years. So I I realized um, I was kind of doing it on my own. If I wanted to have a partner, I really had to make a conscious choice to do something about it, which was hard. Anyone that's a mom that has a child you know, there's all kinds of shifts that happen. And I think what happens with many women and just many people is that even if you're not on a path that's completely satisfying, you develop a kind of a routine in it. And it's like the devil you know. You know, you don't know if the path will appear if you step onto a different, if you go, if take the exit ramp, what will be at that exit ramp? Will it be worse than what I already am? Will I have regrets? Am I making a stupid decision? Is this a midlife crisis? Like all those sorts of things went through my head. But I can honestly say, you know, and using the cards to help me make decisions, to help me understand where I was, um, about the people around me, and just about myself. You know, I, I know there's people that feel there's some ethics involved in reading other people's feelings. For me, it really gave me a concrete understanding of uh, interpreting things better so that I wasn't, we only see things through our own filter and it helped me understand sometimes there were bigger things than me going on that other people had their own stories that I had to respect. And when I learned those through the cards, I could step back and not take everything so personally. So, you know, I, I did go through the big shift, I see. And, and you know, I, I don't know if everybody has the opportunity to really stop and evaluate that intensely. Um, I did after the divorce, um, I knew I did the right thing because when I went to work, my feet were hardly even touching the ground. It was like the weight lifted off me, and I felt like I was almost floating in joy. So I knew I, I had done the right thing. And people actually said, what's happened to you? You are not the same person. You, you just look totally different. Like You look electric. What's going on? And I started realizing how incorrect things had been before then and that the shift was the right thing. Um, ended up meeting up with um, someone very important and have had the best two years of my life since. I have no question it was the correct thing. <laughs> so you, you've made uh, references to using the cards um, as part of the process. And I'm wondering if you can maybe um, speak a little bit about when you say the cards, about some of the different tools and the things that you work with um, just in general, and then we'll get more specific into what you specifically used in the past few years, but just in a general sense, a little bit of that background and, and context about the, the different tools and things like when you say cards and if there are other tools as well that you might um, turn to or utilize in some way. Yeah, there are some really cards for me. It's almost um, such an integral part of who I am I don't even really think about it they just go wherever I go and I think anyone that really um, loves the tool finds it a very easy connection for them I I love the tarot that was uh, crystals were my first love and then they that 
kind of blended into tarot. Tarot became, it's a very emotive and psychological tool. It digs deep into your core. It kind of um, feels the soul. Um, the Lenormand I loved because it gave, it, it took out all that emotive stuff. That's the filter. And it really sees situations for what they are, despite what people are feeling. It is what it is. And it helped me get put aside the, the more sensitive stuff and say, like, why is this happening? Well, it's because boom, boom, boom. Um, it also showed me, and it changed the way I feel about fate and destiny. I always felt that we had complete control over our future. Um, I know that we have some control over our future. I learned that there are some things that are just bigger than we are, bigger situations than one person, um, whether it's a political arena or other people's situations that are blocking things from taking the next level. There are some choices we have and there's some we have to kind of go with the tide to make things happen, um, hopefully the way we want. Through those systems like the Lenormand, I learned that there are certain obstacles and speed bumps that will come across. It's like a map, and you'll it'll tell you what's on the road ahead. So you can be kind of forewarned that something is about to happen or going to happen. Um, tarot can do that in a, a way, too. It's more of how you're feeling as they're happening, if you're torn down or if you're excited about things. The Lamont just can tell you more situations. If you put the two together, you have a really three-dimensional view of mind-body, of the, the feeling and the situation. It's a really complete, beautiful almost like a hologram, a three-dimensional. You look at it different ways, and you may feel one way. You may get something, and then you may feel not the way you thought. So you see all different sides. I found that the I Ching also was a profoundly valuable, almost like a counseling tool for me. When the big, big stuff came, I it told me my now, and it told me where things would shift, and it really gave a lot of clarity and insight. And playing cards. Um, I was studying playing cards. It's like Lenormand. I think even a little bit more concrete. It's just people in the situation. And um, when I couldn't deal with how things were feeling, it would just boom, boom, tell me what was going on. So I really felt it gave me something to hold on to. It gave me something that felt safe. Um, it was like a friend that kind of traveled along this, this path with me. Um, I wish more people in the general public knew about this tool and understood how much support something like that can provide to somebody. Whether it's in an everyday situation, like is this the great, uh, is this a better decision or is that a better decision? Those, all those little decisions we make end up being the big shifts that we take in our life, but piece by piece, every little thing that we decide creates a, a situation that happens next. It's almost like a domino or a ripple happens from there. Yeah, and I found that um, I, I think partially uh, people, a lot of people in general, don't necessarily understand the various ways that these tools can be used. They just think of them as either fortune-telling or predicting the future. And even when there are things that are outside of our control, like you were talking about, they can help us to develop or understand what might be the most beneficial response to those things that are outside of our control so that we can navigate through them in the least challenged or least painful way, even though there may still be pain involved, we don't have to exacerbate or create unnecessary pain for ourselves by um, 
not responding in the in in the most beneficial way for the situation. So maybe could you speak a little bit about the the process or the the ways that you use these tools to navigate through some of these things going on because it 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 didn't sound as if it was so much about predict the future for me what's going to happen as it was about using it for your own ability to be able to best face approach and act within what was going on and well a little of both because um i did want to know how things were progressing but I, I always wanted to understand the situation I am in now. And I think that's what people relate to most is why am I going through this? What, what's happening? What's about to happen next? Why? When, even when you ask about the past, the whole past roll into the now, roll into future, that's a whole energy circumstance, a whole situation. And the future is just part of that. And um, the immediate future becomes this energy ball of what's happening right now. But there's also, it's like this wave that happens just beyond it that's impacted by our entire past. So if I was setting up, say, a grand tableau with the Lenormand cards, we had all 36 of them out. There's slices of time from past and then more recent past to the just yesterday to the just now and then now. And then as it progresses into the future, I'll scan it. And I I do want to know what happened to me. And I, I am curious about what's likely to come. So I will admit I have that kind of a, uh, I want to organize it all and set it up. It's like I set up my agenda. That's my syllabus <laughs> for my life. And But I also at the same time try to figure out where do I have control of this. So if I see something I don't like, I'm right targeting that spot. It's like, okay, I get out more cards. What can I do to best approach this? What's my best approach? How can I offset this? What? How should I react when this happens? Um, if this is something that looks like it's a painful situation is there something I can do to help resolve it and sometimes the cards will be like you you just have to like put on your big girl panties and get through this and then there's other times they're like look if you just do this like that will cause just a little shift that down the road may make a difference even if you don't see it in the immediate future so I'm always trying to create prompts from the stuff that I see in there. So in the problem situations, I think it's like we all have this negativity bias. You can have things all day long that happen and someone goes like, oh, like your hair is so bad today. You know, you're thinking about your hair. But in, in life, what we dwell on if someone says something negative to us, even if we have a great day, we tend to think of that one thing. So in a reading, I think it's natural for us to be like, oh, oh, there's the problem. And then we try and see if there's a way around it. So, and I did, I do use tarot to understand people's feelings. I do use Lenormand to help me with actions, help me like, what is it, what is it, give me a direct action I can do to help make this better. Um, sometimes you can't pretty it up as much as you hope to. <laughs> uh, well, so if people think that they would come for a reading or they would do a reading for themselves if it's about, you know, is it time for me to change jobs or is it time for me to leave a marriage or, you know, whatever. Um, I think those are more classic kind of questions. Mm -hmm. So what would be your approach or what would you suggest to people in terms of I'm struggling with grief and feel like I can't even get out of bed today because my mother is in failing mental health or because I'm losing my house to foreclosure. And it's not so much to look at what do I need to do about that versus here's where I'm at emotionally. What What's the way that you have found to approach and use these tools for those kinds of things 
that goes a little deeper or maybe a little beyond just what's the action I need to take versus how can it be that friend to us? Right. I also work in a medical field, so my red flags go up if someone is showing me that they're at a point where they cannot handle a situation. And and then I think it's important as readers that we understand the limitations of our skills and expertise and make sure we make appropriate referrals. So if that person is in need of counseling, need of financial support, you need to have the right numbers to go to, we have to make sure that we make the appropriate referrals and don't try to assume those responsibilities if we don't have the proper counseling training. So I think that's important. If someone is saying that they're having um, some sort of financial problem, they're going into foreclosure, again, I worry that, you know, make sure we get them to the right professionals so that they can deal with it. There are laws also, depending on where people live and what you can advise people. I know for me, even when things are off limit, I ask those questions for myself. So, you know, if I if I were depressed, I would ask questions of the cards. That would be my go-to place. Um, I think when I'm working with other people, we are working with depressed people quite frequently and people in dire situations. And, and one thing I that triggered in my head when you were talking about when people say, is this the time to get my divorce or is this the time to leave somebody or is this the time... I have, and many readers I think will agree with this, there are people that come to us that are very ready and everything in the cards, and they validate that nothing is correct where they are, but some people just aren't ready to make the move. And they'll come back over and over with this question, will I meet the right guy when they're with the wrong guy? I, um, I, call, that, I, I call that the case of the, that's true, but syndrome. Yes, you are right. <laughs> and and I, you know what? As much as we were like, oh, why don't they get it? I've been in that situation where I was in a marriage at least 10 years longer than I should have because I feared what was on the other side. Until I was in a point of mental readiness and saw a path, I just couldn't take that leap of faith. So I respect that sometimes, sometimes people need to see the path. And sometimes, even though you see it in the cards, they have to see see something with their own eyes to allow them to jump and, and think they're going to land where there's no water, where there might be a rock, where they'll stay dry. So there's a, there's a fear element when people are in that, the fear of the unknown. So um, that's a hard place. That's a hard place. It's easy for someone to advise someone to do something. It's a lot harder to make shifts in your life, to leave a job. And um, and may not like the job, but it gives you some financial security to go into something that might seem unknown or not as secure. Uh, So then what would you say is the difference between using the cards to read for others versus pulling them out to read or use for yourself? when you're simply feeling in a, you know, um, difficult emotional space? Okay. So there's two facets to that. One is um, there are times, and this I think applies more to tarot than Lenormand, there are times when we're so emotionally involved that we see what we want to see or see what we fear most, and it's really hard to get, see the forest through the trees, to get past um, what might be trying to be said to you because we think we know what is supposed to be said. Sometimes having a trusted advisor or somebody else or a friend who does cards or going to a, a skilled reader, they'll tell you it in a way that is unbiased. 
I have had to do that with people when, when I had to get out of my own head to just get advice. But one of my passions with this, um, and this is the second thing, is I'll, as much as I enjoy reading for other people, the real thrill for me comes in teaching people to do it independently because it's just in your pocket or a hand, you know, arm length away, and it's such a an instant. You just have to know what questions to ask. That's half the issue. If you don't know the questions to ask, you may not get the answers. If you just know the right questions to ask, you can seek what you need to and you can find those answers. So my passion is teaching people to do that. So I, my goal in, in when I did the podcast and I did the YouTube tutorials, I did all this at no cost because I found such value in it for my own personal insight that I could not fathom that other people, if there were seekers out there, somebody may find that this is equally supportive to them and gives them personal psychological insight and intellectual insight to what they can do. So my passion was teaching people to do it. So although people can go to someone for readings, I do many more readings for myself than I do seeking other people. It's when I hit a real emotional roadblock that I have a hard time and then I'm like, I think I need to ask someone else for this. But for most things, it's such a powerful tool of um, self-direction. I can make it. Sometimes it tells me what to do and I'm like, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe that's the right thing, but it's like, I don't want to do that. And sometimes I do the other thing and then I get the slap and, you know, it's like I did something happens because obviously the other choice probably would have been better. But, you know, we're human and we do make choices. We do make mistakes. Um, but I, I really, my personal goal when it comes to the cards in this lifetime is if I can introduce more people, inspire people to do things, to let them know that it doesn't take some kind of special magical skill to do this. Everybody has some facet in them where they could, if they had interest in it, to do that insight and seeking. You can you can get this on your own. And, you know, for a deck, you can get a deck for just, you know, $10, $12 somewhere, and that can be your only deck. You don't have to have 300 decks. Um, it's such a, there's so many creative ways you can tap into those cards, whether it's just writing prompts. My mom, I visit my mom, she'd give me her little memory boards, like a dry erase board. She'd like, could you write something nice for me on my memory board? Well, the board we used to use for like lunch today is meatloaf or whatever. We'd erase the whole thing. I'm like, what do I write to my mom? And I would pull out a card and I got the Ten of Cups. And I'm like, mom, you like gave me the happily ever after, the most beautiful family I could have asked for. And I got a writing prompt. You know, it wasn't predicting anything. It's just giving me a tool so that I can say something nice. If you're writing a letter to someone, you want a little, well, what am I going to say? Turn over a card. There's so many beautiful ways that these can be used. So I want people to have that for themselves and not necessarily have to pay someone to achieve that. You can, and if you want to, and it's a great listening space when you're with a really good reader who really takes the time and listen and spend that time with you and, and cares about outcomes. But you can get that every day for yourself. An awesome meditative tool. Awesome way to sit with yourself. And it's a very active process. Where meditating sometimes is too still for people. This is a very active and involved mind um, experience to sit with it and really pick and, and weed through what's in there and what we're going through. And you understand your life so much better. It's such a tangible way of making a storybook with pictures of your experience that becomes a very concrete way of like reading your situation through images. So if somebody was 
going through a difficult period in their life right now, and they are intrigued to hear how this could be a very valuable tool, but have never picked up any sort of deck or, you know, never done astrology, never thrown <laughs> yarrow sticks for I Ching. Um, right. What would you suggest as one or two techniques for them to use to approach of course, the first one would be get yourself a deck or get yourself. <laughs> so, and I Ching is nice because you can get that in a card deck form or you can throw it with the pennies, you know, or whatever. Um, but what, let's say that they've, okay, got the tool. What would be one or two techniques that you found really helped to give you a lot of support on an ongoing basis, like things you could come back to and do over and over again, mm-hmm. um, even if they don't have any knowledge about the more traditional interpretations and things like that. Yeah, there are a lot of things that come to mind that I could say, but I'm going to tell you something that I started doing that I still do when I'm journaling in in a difficult emotional situation. So one good book. So for example, I like the book Tarot for Yourself by Mary Kay Greer. On the back of it, there's a glossary that tells what each card means. So if you get the deck... Um, and you're having a situation, and you shuffle that deck, and you turn it over. Now, as a reader, I want to give this card a meeting that I've already assigned to it. But what I'm doing is, okay, Mary Kay Greer, this author, is going to be reading me today. So whatever this card is, and I, you know, I would turn over the card, look it up in the glossary, and I would just start journaling about what that card is and what it means to my situation. So all the things that she says in the back, just the little just a little glossary with a line of things that this card could mean, and it starts attaching to my situation. So, you know, at the very basic, if people know what a maybe three-card or four-card spread at the most, so that they know when you pick up a card, it has a certain element ascribed to it. So this is either my problem or this is my advice. This is, and then, so you can have context for that card. So anybody that has a deck, that may not have full understanding of the images. You want them to experience the card, and this is what you know. A lot of experts will say: just experience the card purely for what it is and what you're seeing, it, and you will see things in it that you are supposed to see. Um, take it to the next level. Go to a trusted book and just say, okay, this person is going to read me today, and just write down what those things are that they say. And I still do that when I'm journaling. Something about the writing down of it helps me really think about it as I'm doing it. But I will force myself to see it through this other reader's eyes. For people who are just learning to, that's an excellent learning tool because you can then learn what these cards mean in real situations as they're applied to the context of what this person is describing them. But, of course, you never want to disregard your own things that you see in the card. You may see something in that card that is so specific, like, oh, my God, that's the, the gown that my mother wore last night, or that is the cup that is exactly the little things that sometimes show up in cards that may be very, very specific to your situation. See all the little elements of it. But sometimes I just, I'll go right to the books and I'll be like, okay, I'm getting out of my own head. What is this saying? So if you have the book, you don't have to understand even what the card meanings are. It's almost like you have the direction and then you have the glossary and you read it and it helps you through it. And then you really want to think about what you wrote and, and how it applies to your situation. And I think the writing it down, too, is sometimes don't try to make sense of what you wrote in that moment. Look at it tomorrow. Like if you're going to sit down and do this every day, go back and read yesterday what you wrote 
now it may suddenly make sense or something may click because you have a little distance rather mm-hmm. than being right there, you know, in that moment, uh, a little too caught up in the process of, oh, I'm supposed to figure out what this is supposed to mean for me. You know, even if I wrote things down, now what's it mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, be gentle yes. with yourself. <laughs> yes, and even with the I Ching, I'll get out a good book on the I Ching and I'll get my journal out and I'll start writing the elements of that that apply to my situation. Things that might shock me because they're so close to my situation. I'll write those down and I'll date it. And there are times when I'll go back and I'll look and, and it will give me such good understanding of what happened in the past. And then when it tells you what the future is, sometimes you have even a better understanding after things unfold reading what you said was going to happen after seeing it unfold and the clarity of it, it becomes even more rich and deep and what you saw in either a card or an oracle or whatever. It, it really does help to go back and review things. It's a part of the learning process. You know, as we learn. And I think also stepping away from the obvious sources. So like when you say, you know, find a book, it doesn't mean you have to go find a tarot book and let somebody who wrote a tarot book now be your reader. It could yeah. be like I like this, like with the I Ching, for example, um, there's a couple of different poetry books. They're not really poetry, but it's it, they're almost like koans um, from Buddhism. But there's a couple of books and, and they're written specifically for the I Ching. But it's not interpretations of the I Ching. It's just poems associated with the hexagram. And I find that to also be really useful because that just gives you a jumping off point, but is certainly not going to just tell you what this is supposed to mean. It now stimulates your own process and thought around, well, now what does that poem mean to me? How does that poem, you know, suddenly trigger something within me? So I try to encourage people, don't just think of it as getting a tarot book. Mm-hmm. But but find any book that you like to turn to and let that be your reader, quote unquote, so that you're also getting a very different kind of perspective that also gets you out of your head of worrying about what the card is supposed to mean from the, you know, academic side of things to right. let's just see where this takes the card that I'm looking at based on the prompt from what it is that I've chosen to read for this card. That's a great idea. Yeah, and I was just thinking today as I was driving here is that there's metaphors in so many things, whether you see a metaphor in a song, um, because we were talking about songs. I'm like, you know, this could have really applied to so many different things. And then I was thinking about a tree, like the way a tree grows or the exits we take and all these. There are metaphors that can apply to so many different contexts. So the poetry, I think, is a beautiful way of almost surprising, giving yourself a surprise. And that, I think, plays right into what the tarot is really, which is all of the symbolism, and it's the willingness to see. But actually, there's symbolism all around us if we just yeah. pay attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's allowing us to, it, it's not as random as it seems. I think most of us will agree after using them. It's like when we, if we were to try to describe the situation deliberately by turning over cards, somehow they come out better when it's, random or quote a random but it really um there's something very non-random and very organized about the way they end up coming down and i think what we're doing is kind of forcing a synchronicity by organizing the time to do it and i wonder how many other ways are there to establish that kind of organization so yeah but i think it's just a way of um establishing time and space for organizing that synchronicity to happen on its own so you can actually pay attention to it 
rather be rather than just be surprised by it. Um, and I'm curious also if you ever employed the technique of consciously going through and choosing a card. Because sometimes I, when I've worked with people, I've told them, think about how you're feeling or what it is you're you're struggling with in terms of, say, whether it was grief or some other emotion, and go through this deck and find the card based on the image, not what you would know, and a lot of times they wouldn't know what a card's supposed to mean anyway, based on the image that seems to reflect that emotion that you're dealing with. Then sit with that card and start journaling it, rather than it just a random card coming up, but finding a card to actually represent. Uh, so I'm just curious if you've ever used that technique and how you feel that might work by doing it more consciously chosen rather than the the random cards to come up. I tend not to do that only because I, and as you're saying, I'm thinking, why don't I, I think it's because it hurts. Um, It really makes you face things, look it right in the eye um, rather than seeing any alternatives. Um, which can be really a uh, painful realization. Um, I tend to be an optimist, and I've been accused of having rose-colored glasses, so that probably all plays into it, too. But it, um, it, I've done that. It's a powerful process. I think um, as a tool, almost, uh, I think as a counseling tool, that would be extremely powerful in allowing people to, to um, vent things. I think there needs to be a safe, a very safe space for doing that and the thing is sometimes when we're in those situations like when I think back when I was in those situations with sociopaths I did not feel safe I felt anything but safe and I needed something to hold on to that made me feel that I was okay and going to survive this and be okay um, I don't think like if I if I were to pull out the tower card and journal at that point it would have been healthy for me um but I do agree that there are situations when that is healthy for some people and perhaps a person who had a different um, energy makeup or psychological makeup than I had, that would have probably been like the, the thing that would have gotten them to the next level. It might have been important for them to see it. Um, I, I do think that's a, an, one important way of using the deck. There's so many thousands of ways we can employ the, the symbolism there. That's just one I think is good. Yeah. If we think about some of the situations like you were talking about, those are really difficult emotions or situations for people, and they often will want to do everything they can to avoid them, to kind of push them down into the emotional basement, you know, to live in denial, or just not to have to deal with. And it's, you know, even if we think of like the 12-step process, but I was thinking more from a Buddhist standpoint, but, um, you know, one of the first ways to go about healing is you have to allow yourself to be present with and to sit with what is in order to first see it, but not feel as if it's controlling you. Mm -hmm. Then you can start to figure out how to work with it and heal it or move beyond it. And there I think it would be then even consciously choosing another card to not just stop there, but one, you might see something you didn't expect to see in the card you first chose, you know, that might show, oh, you know, even in the tower card, you might see something that says, oh, wait, but look back there, there's a flower growing. So I guess something still can grow even when everything else around it is in total chaos and destruction. Um, Mm -hmm. Or choose a card that represents 
where would you like this to go? And that's where it taps into, I think, what you like is give me something to hold on to. So let's see what it is that that can look like, but we have to start from where we are rather than just jumping to there and finding that what we're dealing with then just keeps coming up in the most inopportune ways or unhealthy ways because mm-hmm. we've never taken the time to sit with it. Yeah, and I like your idea of pulling something afterward as almost a healing agent or the next step or something that takes you beyond what, when you face the beast, then what do you do with that later? How can you overcome? How can you get past, go around? I, I really like that idea. And you kind of alluded to this. So the flip side of that, when would you say, when would you actually recommend to someone this is not the time for you to get a reading or this is not the thing that perhaps using this kind of tool would be best for at least at this time or in this way? Um Okay, my my, I got all these answers going on in my head because I have had people say when you're in crisis, um, I can't do a reading for you. You have to get through this process. And there are many readers who will say that I I, I can't see you today because I I want you to process this and experience it before we do a reading on you. It's too emotional, almost like a medium might say, I don't want to read this person who's just passed because they just passed this afternoon. It's too soon. It's too raw. All these rules aside, I've done it for myself in those deep, deep, immediate moments. I've called on it at those times. So I know the benefit of it, and I think it would be hypocritical of me to say I couldn't for another person because of a reason that didn't apply to myself. So I do think there are times, though, like we spoke earlier, when we our head isn't in a place is not in a place of readiness to receive because they're so we're so busy processing a situation like when i was in the situation with a um, pathological liar who i loved at the time but couldn't wrap my head around none of it being real or true and what were the reasons for this um i almost couldn't take the next step until I had finished the processing of why was this happening or what were the motivations behind this because it just made so little sense to me that that was the big issue for me. Rather than resolving it, which I thought I wanted to do, I really had to wrap my head around the purpose of it first. So I think the whole psychological knot that I was in would have prevented me from seeing or doing anything outside of that because I had to really go through this process of understanding. And I think, you know, the cards can get us through that, but I don't, even though they may help us through it, I think the human psyche has to have time to process. Just like if we experience something terrifying in a moment, and say there's a sudden thing if you're driving and something cuts in front of you and you have an accident, your, your adrenaline is up, you can't just stop the adrenaline and, and move on. There is a process that your your, your body, your, psychol- your, your physiology has to go through and your psychology has to go through to just come down again. And one of the things I learned with working with children is when they're escalated and angry, that's not the time to talk to them about what to do to correct the situation. They have to come down first and then they are going to be in a place where you can have a discussion with them about how to um, better approach it down the road. Um, so, so maybe um, 
there would be times that we might not recommend somebody go get a reading from another person, but it could be that in those moments, if they were able to use the tool to simply serve as the prompt for, say, the journaling, because I think that that is part of the processing uh, mm-hmm. technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're not looking to the cards to give them an answer or to tell them what to do or to fix this in some way. They're mm-hmm. just using it as that jumping off point to now journal so I can at least get whatever is roiling about within me out someplace so I can kind of create a little bit of a distance and begin to be more with it rather than overwhelmed by it. Well, sometimes you think it's one and it may be the other. Like I thought I was helping myself to resolve a situation. And looking back, I was probably helping myself go through a process and accept things. Um, The purpose I thought it had ended up being like a whole, it just made things smoother and and got me through. Uh, You know, I do think if you have the right person, just like when you're in crisis, if you have a friend that you can talk to, it seems like there's a relief of some sort with that energy exchange when there's love exchange between two people and just support. And sometimes all they have to do is nod their head and be like, I, I hear what you're saying. They don't even have to offer advice. Just that support is so important. So if I have a friend who ha- happens to be a reader and I'm in a crisis situation, just the presence of the person, sometimes all that's necessary. I learned that as a reader when I was having people, when people were paying me for my time, and sometimes at a, a, a good amount, a good fee, they would talk and talk and talk and talk. And I was feeling like I'm not giving them their money's worth because I'm not giving them at this moment. But at that moment, what they needed was just to vent. It's like when you go to the the consumer um, help department at any store, and one of the things I think they should let you do is just vent and say all the things you got to say and not interrupt and just let you get it out and then tell you, you know, how they can help you. So I think sometimes people just need to have a place to spill it out and, and let it out. Um, I, I'm not necessarily the belief that I think it's a horrible thing to go someone if you, if you think you're in crisis. I think people, we all are tied together and we all need each other. And I don't know that we can all provide adequate support at every moment for everybody. But I do think that just humans, the support that we provide to each other is critical at times. And um, when someone is in a real emotive place, a real delicate place, just having another person's hand on your hand while they're listening, good eye contact, and just saying, like, I am here for you, even if there's not anything coming out from something like cars, I think is a really powerful and profound place. If there are cards involved and it gives someone some support, like I'm okay with that too. Um, if people don't feel comfortable or safe providing that to someone, perhaps that they don't know, you know, then maybe another person might be a better person to or a friend or something. But I just really think that people are here for each other. And there are some situations, I don't know how I could have survived without the support of a friend or another person, or sometimes even just the cards when I was alone at 2am. And I'm feeling like I having a hard time really processing this, put it all out, gives me something to write down, and then I can go to sleep. I don't know, I think the human interactions and bonds and the whole woven tapestry of of interactions is important. Cards is just one way to do it. It just provides a, a central thing you can look at while you're there for another person. 
And I think a lot of what you've talked about shows when the cards of some sort, even the I Ching, can be the tool to turn to versus another. I often get that question, well, which do you think is better? Or which do you think I should do? Should I go get an astrology reading? Should I get a tarot reading? You know, and it's it's understanding the differences that those have to offer. Um, and I think that the, the cards in particular really lend themselves well to a lot of this personal process. Uh, you know, and astrology is great to see the bigger landscape as to where this is happening and why and how it fits into everything. But uh, using the cards, I think, is, is it ha- and I think that's why it feels like that friend, because it, it, it really, they, they get right into that personal process aspect of things that, that you, that, that just take it right to that personal level that they have to offer. Um, so I'm curious, hoping that you might be able to give uh, an, an example of how you use these cards and how they work together when you combine tools, um, we're entering into a particularly challenging astrological next couple of months. Uh, And so I wondered if maybe we could use them just to say, how can I best navigate through or make the best of the next, it goes to the end of June, so we could say for the next three months, April, May, June, um, you know, uh, and just see how they might work together. Because maybe if you did like Tarot and Lenormand, it might be that the Tarot says, okay, well, here's how we can do that from the more emotional place, and the Lenormand would maybe give us, and this is the kind of things you may want to do, not want to do, <laughs> or watch out for. For everybody <laughs> listening, when they hear it, this is what they need to hear for getting through the next three months. All right. Well, <laughs> for tarot, I, I like to see tarot is our psychological reaction and response to things. So the what we are supposed to do is I get temperance, uh, and that's all about it, moderation and keeping a balance. So while it's hitting the fan, <laughs> taking things in pieces, um, taking the good with the bad, knowing things go up and things go down and things go up again. But I think it's, this doesn't have drama with it and just knowing that things will average out in the end. Um, but also, if we can keep out the drama, that might bring things out. So just kind of balance things out as best we can with temperance. What not to do, um, I get the five of pentacles reversed. So if we get it this way, it's like poverty and like this is horrible. This is the worst part. I can't trudge through this. It's like I have nothing. But if you reverse this card, it's like, okay, stop that. (laughs) You really don't have as little as you're thinking that you have. This is not about a lack. And this is just saying don't look at it as if it's like you have nothing. So what not to do is just don't don't, uh, be dramatic about everything falling apart because it may sometimes make you think that. So you're in a place of lack, but not. So these are all like feelings and things that we have. And I think of um, the mind, body, spirit. Um, and actually, I'll be speaking in Pennsylvania at the Northeastern Tarot Conclave. With the center stage is going to be Lenormand this year. And my topic, I'll be putting together Tarot and Lenormand and how the two create that holographic image. So if the Tarot is the mind and the heart and how we feel, and the Lenormand is the body and what we're doing. So let's take a look at what we should or should not do for the Lenormand. This is actually like more physical action. Now, I don't read 
uh, Lenormand and reversal. So, and it's funny because I got very similar type thing as what we went and don't do this from the tarot. What we should do, and I got the sun, one of the best cards in the deck, joy, optimism, and we've got the ring. It's about who you're connected to, and it's going to bring you a little bit of luck. We've got the clover, so good connections, good optimism. Through all this, what we should do is keep your eye on the prize, understanding that um, there are tight bonds through all this. And that's where you're really going to find your luck is, is staying close to the tight bond. So uh, things may fray and drop. This is what you want to focus on is what stays. It may be a weeding out process with this clover at the end. The luck um, it may be actually like you're, you're weeding your garden. Uh, what remains is the real plant, not the weeds. So you have something good there at the end. So focus on the, the more positive. Really, But the, if I would say what not to do with the Lenormand. We've got the rider and the whip. So these are messages of criticism or abuse or anger. It's uh, over and over. And it's just saying what not to do is just don't over and over criticize and pick and pick and pick. That would exacerbate the problem. So this is using our words or thoughts or actions in a way that is creating messages that are harsh, possibly hurtful, and um, could be different ways of uh, escalating the situation. Hurtful. So, and I wanted to do that before I said the specific astrological aspects, but we're, we have five retrogrades on top of each other. Well, May will have five of them on top of each other, um, wow. uh, you know, because we have Jupiter retrograde and Saturn retrograde and Pluto retrograde already. We're getting ready for Mars retrograde, and then May will also add in a Mercury retrograde. Um, and But a lot of this period is about um, being cautious and conservative and especially with Mars retrograde, it's that tendency for people to be overly aggressive, overly egotistical, and that any little spark can set things off to a conflagration. And wow. so, you know, when that temperance card came up, that was perfect. Not the constant pick, 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 because all you got to do is go pick, pick, and suddenly somebody will <laughs> blow up at you. <laughs> um, you know, so these were the perfect cards to come up for that. Uh, and I think a, a perfect illustration for people to see how even if we didn't know the question to ask, or even if we came to the cards but didn't ask the question, they will know the right thing to show us for what it is that we need in that moment or for that situation or over that period of time. Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm really glad you said that because I was reading someone's blog, someone I respect tremendously had said, um, you're not a cartomancer if you don't have the question. And I was thinking, you know, there are times the question is definitely the most important thing. What you ask is really significant so much that I usually tell people to write it down because sometimes what you ask is not what you think you're asking. You'll get the answer that's correct, but you may think you asked it the right way and you didn't. They'll answer it the way it's meant to be answered the way you asked it. But I am of the belief, especially with little mom, if people don't have a question and they're like, all right, so then tell me about love and you go to the heart. There is no question necessary. It gives you the context of what's happening in the love situation. Like, I don't know, I don't really have a question. Just tell me about my job. And then you look at the job card and it gives you the context of the job. The question is set up inherently in the reading for you. It's all neat and tidy organized, just like an astrological chart where the, the planets are landing in certain houses just like they should at that moment. 
And so I am of the belief that while the question is sometimes of paramount importance and often is the most important piece, you're asking the right thing. There are times that I'm just like, talk to me. Just say say what you need to say and I'm ready to listen and it will provide the context beautifully. Sometimes it's wider because the question narrows things down to a really small slice. So the context has to really fit onto that just right. But there are times I'm like, just just give me something that I need to know, and the context comes out through the cards. I'm really glad you said that because um, I respect you as a reader, and I <laughs> I think that's important. Well, and I think it's also a great lesson in general so that we know not only – it's kind of like learning how to not always be talking but know when to shut up and listen. <laughs> it's It's not saying I always have to – find the answer or know what to ask or, or, you know, that kind of thing versus let me just be still and see what comes without trying to set it up by giving it a context or a question or anything that I think it's supposed to have versus allowing it to show itself to me first in the way that it wants to or needs to. And then that may prompt other things. And whether it's in a reading or just in life in general, I think that's a great thing for people to learn is don't be doing all of the time just for the sake of doing something. Don't be talking all of the time just for the sake of talking. Know when to stop and just be and just allow because the right thing will come if we, one, make space for it, and then two, have our awareness attuned to see it and pick up on it, even if it's not what we might have wanted or it coming in the form or from the direction or in the way that we might have thought that it would. Right. And I think that's a pretty clear and wonderful definition of what divination is. And I remember, you know, trying my mom's a strict Catholic and she's like, how do you know what you're summoning? It's like, you know, it's it's opening a space for receiving. And I'm like, and the God in the way she believes God, he says, you know, think of any friend you might have. And when you're with a friend, you want to listen sometimes, you talk sometimes, and you develop this relationship together. But if one person is always talking, talking, and interrupting and not allowing the other person to talk, there's not really a relationship formed. So I says, you know, when you pray and pray and pray, there should be times when you sit still and open up and allow things to come in. So when I use the cards, what I'm doing is opening space and allowing a receiving place where I can then access some information back on what I need to know, what's best for me to know that's outside of hopefully all my own opinions and stuff. I'm hoping it's not just my own opinions filtering it. You want to receive something so you can be open to something perhaps different or out of the box. I think that's the beauty of divination is you've now stopped your talking now you're letting the friend come in. And the other reason I wanted to have you do a little quick reading like that is because you offer these kind of quick readings very regularly uh, on social media. Uh, yeah. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the, the things that you do and, and the things that you offer and projects that you might have coming up where, where people can see you, if it's like a YouTube channel, but also any projects you have coming up in the future. <laughs> yes. So, and I have a, a ton, a ton of videos on yeah. YouTube. 
Uh, I haven't had the time to upload them. I've had a lot of people ask. But what I did discover is Instagram. It's so fast. You know, you have a limit of 15 seconds. So I do <laughs> every day I try to get my little 15-second thing out. And there's very little commitment from me. And it allows people to just still experience it all. And I don't spend as much time on social media as I used to because I have this wonderful life going on for me. I just want to participate in my, my real world right now. But I still put it in in little pieces. So if people and want what, to- what's your Instagram? It's Donalee Della Rose. Um, if you check me out there, you'll see um, little things every day. Sometimes I'll put little memes about tarot up um, on Facebook. You can get me either at Beyond Worlds, Donalee Della Rose. I send things um, out to Twitter. I don't participate a lot on Twitter. The things go out automatically. So if you want to see them there, you'll access them. Um, I keep things on my blog here and there as I do them. Like I'll put this up on my blog so that people know that this is here. You can scroll down and see some of the other things I've done. I'll be one of the three presenters at the Northeastern Tarot Conference. That's right around Halloween. And that will be with Rachel Pollock and Rana George and myself. Um, Diane Wilkes is putting that together. So there's information about that. I'm going to be putting that up on my blog as well. The link just went live for that. Um, another thing is U.S. Games approached me, asked me if I would uh, write a book on how to for my mom. I'll be working with them um, with the Bluebird Lenormand. I, I really want to create something where um, people can say, like, I don't even know what this is. What is Lenormand? And just be able to take the flow from start to finish and, and read it like a sentence. It's really different than tarot where you can sit and chew on that card all day. It's Boom, boom, boom. It's a sentence. That's it. Three words. Done. <laughs> and I think anybody can do this. And I think it's been such, I, I mean, we did silly things like predict the Super Bowl. We did 10 games in a row. Every game it got right, 10 out of 10, and then it was the Super Bowl. So you can have fun with it that way. I don't think that's being disrespectful. I think that's just having fun with it. Um, but it, And sometimes the big things, you know, are, are what you really want to hang on to. So, but, do, but doing the little fun things can build the confidence in trusting it. It really can. It really can. And it helps you learn. Every single time I do a reading, I learn something because the outcome, you don't know until it happens. And there's always some vulnerability when you predict. I learn every reading I do. If you really mull over it, you can see other little nuances in it that help you later when you're doing readings in the future. It's just all experience. So just to recap to remind people where they can find you on Instagram, Donnelle de la Rose, which is yep. D-O-N-N-A-L-E-I-G-H yes. D-E-L-A-R-O-S-E. <laughs> underscore between the Donnelle and the de, and the de, ah, and the So Donnelle <laughs> yeah. underscore de la Rose. Yeah, I think if you just put in my name, it also pops up. Yeah. Um, and yeah. YouTube, and what's your YouTube channel? If you go to YouTube and you just look up Donnelle Lenormand, my channel pops right up first. It'll actually finish the, the search for you. All right. And your blog? My blog, the best place for all these things, the central hub for me is Donnelle.com, just oh. D-O-N-N-A-L-E-I-G-H.com. The whole Lenormand tutorials from beginner to intermediate to advanced is all set up on one page for you in the order and sequence of beginner to advanced. Um, there's tarot stuff there, all my podcasts are kind of archived there in order by guest, by date, and the handouts if there's some kind of a class that's given where there's a handout. Every single one was meant to be educational. So that became the question, and everybody has something to offer that bettered all of us because of that, that time with them. Which is probably a good lesson for everyone. 
to realize you always have something that you can offer. Everybody a winner. Right. No, that's right. <laughs> I really like to focus on teaching. So all my energy, where the passion really comes out, is helping readers get impassioned, empowered, inspired by doing it on their own. I love going to libraries and meetups and having people who've never touched cards feel like they can do something for the first time. It's a really exciting process for me to watch. Um, but that's where my passion is. So less readings now, more instruction. All right. Well, I'm going to say a thousand gratitudes to you for taking time to be here and to share your experiences and your wisdom to teach us a little something uh, during this time. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for inviting me and for listening to my little personal story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that's where we often have the most insight into thank even you. ourselves by hearing other people's stories. So thank you for being willing to share that. Thank you. Every day I'm shuffling. I just want to remind everyone, if you would like to get a reading, you can get into the queue by Skyping in from the show page or calling 646-716-5510. And once again, my many thanks to Donna Lay for having uh, joined us and shared her personal story as well as her wisdom and experience with us this evening. So we've reached the point where we are going to now be doing readings for people and we're going to go to our first caller, and this is someone who is calling from area code 252. Are you there, caller? Hi. In yes, area... I am. Hello. What's your name and where are you Hello. calling from? Um, my name is Harriet, and I'm calling from Virginia. Well, thank you so much for calling in this evening. Oh, it must be a bit late there for you. Um, what is it that you would like for us to look at in a reading for you? Um, can I just have a general reading whenever you're picking up? Or no? <laughs> Let me think. Um, how about love? Oh, uh, what what's what's the day and month of your birth? One twenty nine seven seven. So I use the birth date to calculate a number and a card for the year, which gives us just uh -huh. an overview of what the energy lesson theme focus is for the year. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Now, from a number standpoint, you're in a three year, and three is a number that represents, um, you can think of it as creativity, creation, birth. So this is a year where, things that we have been laying the groundwork for, things that have been kind of gestating ideas, plans, etc., 
this is the year where we want to start saying, okay, it's time to push these out into being. It's time to start doing something with them to see where they go, how they stand up, if they're even viable to continue to pursue or not. We don't want to just keep thinking about planning for um, and not doing anything with. Um, There can be labor pains (laughs) since it's birth. Um, And so that can say that, you know, it may not be easy, but if we're willing to go through whatever the challenge or what may feel like a painful process is, it's likely that we'll be able to come out the other side with something to show for it that is very worthwhile for having gone through that. Um, And the card for your year is called the hanged man. Now, well, I find it funny because you mentioned love, because with the hangman card, I always say, well, who isn't looking for a hung man? But that would be a different kind of reading. Um, wow. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for one, <laughs> but okay. Well, all right. <laughs> well, this is your year, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> so, so the hangman year, um, one is it can be a year where um, we may find our world turned on its head. And what that can mean is, we are given the chance to experience something or do something in an opposite way if we allow ourselves to be open to that. So if we find that something doesn't seem to be going the way we would like, um, happening in the way we would like, and especially if it's, if we feel as if, but I've, I've done this before and it has worked, but it doesn't seem to be working that way again then this is a year where it says, then try it in the opposite way. You know, do it different, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there is a sense that if we can change our perspective, change our attitude, change our approach, we're likely to see something come about by doing so, perhaps more so, perhaps in a different way than what has happened before, but in a no less right or beneficial way for us. Um, it is it is a year for learning patience and to be willing to accept that patience can pay off if I wait and if you if we're open and receptive to what comes in the way that it comes when it comes rather than needing it to happen in the way and on the timetable that we would like it to. Um, but we have to be willing to allow for that time. Um, and, you know, I, for your question, just in in the sense of a general reading, I went ahead and pulled specific cards as well, just to look at, well, where are you right now in this hanged man year? Um, and the first card that came up is the eight of wands and the card that follows it is the five of pentacles. And then that's followed by what would normally be called the Page of Swords. And Eight of Wands is a card that is about speed and travel or get a move on or it's time to get things moving. Followed by the Five of Pentacles, there is a sense that if we don't do something like right now, (laughs) um, Five of Pentacles can often suggest that we may end up losing more than we could might have otherwise. Right. Um, and 
and also I will say five of pentacles for me that's a card that can also sometimes indicate codependency and so there is a sense here that it may be time to do something to take action very quickly very immediately about a situation where there is some sort of a codependent element going on and whether that's with a person or you, you know i mean codependency is basically like the enabler and the enabled mm-hmm. and so it's it's like if i am living with an alcoholic then it's time for me to stop making excuses for them and start insisting that they get help and not putting myself in harm's way um right. so there were there were the enabler by making excuses for them or allowing them to continue um, or if it's us that has the problem, then it's time for us to stop making the excuses, to stop allowing ourselves to be enabled and recognize something has to be done. It can be with a work situation where it says I'm miserable, but I don't leave because I make a certain amount of money and I'm not willing to give up my lifestyle in any way or make any sort of change in my lifestyle in any way. So therefore, I'll just stay miserable. Um and, you know, that goes back to that hangman car because um, a couple of the, the concepts you can think of for the hangman are surrender and sacrifice. And so surrender says it's not so much give up as it is. I mean, sometimes it can mean we need to give something up, but that's more the sacrifice side. Surrender is also saying it's time for me to come to a place of acceptance of what is. So I can't keep pretending. I have to look at it as it is. It's time for me to accept that and then act accordingly rather than keep pretending and then putting myself in greater misery or greater harm's yeah. way. That's right. And then the sacrifice is the willingness to let go. I can't keep doing this and I have to be. So if we use the job example that I was giving, it's the willingness to sacrifice some of the perks of a lifestyle we may have in order to actually move to a job situation that is happier, more satisfying, more fulfilling for us rather than just stay miserable for the sake of being able to have a $5 coffee every day. Right. Um, and the the page of swords coming in there, you know, that reiterates also what the hangman was saying because one thing that the page of swords can sometimes say is we need to look at things from a different perspective or a different point of view. And in the position it's in, which is in the, the position of the biggest challenge or obstacle, it says we keep looking at things the same way rather than being willing to turn our head and see there is another way, even if it may be challenging, and then be willing to take on that challenge and say, let me try it this other way rather than just staying in the same old way. Right. Um, and you know, and one thing you have to be careful of with the Page of Swords, it's also the card of ADD. <laughs> um, it can easily get distracted. And so we may say, you know, I'm dealing with this tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes along and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I was going to deal with this tomorrow, but wait a minute, I have to catch up on that television show. <laughs> so let me catch up on that. And as soon as I get all of those episodes watched, then tomorrow, the next day after that, I will deal with this. So we have to stop letting ourselves get off track, distracted, um, and keep our focus and attention on what is truly important or what we really need to be doing right now, which goes back to that eight of wands of saying there's no more putting off. Either we do it now or 
it's just going to start happening anyway, and we're going to find ourselves either playing catch-up or we're going to find ourselves getting uh, run over kind of like a steamroller, like all of a sudden it starts to just go and we're not prepared and it just kind of runs over us. So is there any sort of change or move that you have been gestating on, thinking about making? I am, and um, yes, everything you said. And it's a big change, and I'm in a situation, and I can no longer deal with it. And I'm just to the point where I got to just, I have to stop all payments to all my bills and start getting all my money together to move because it's it's just too ridiculous. And I'm just like, I just have to, you know, had to deal with the loss of having bad credit. And so I'm able to get back on my feet because I can't deal with this situation no more. And all it is is putting me and, and other people in danger, um, even though, you know what I'm saying, so it, like you said, so I'm just like, um, yeah, I just have to go. And then you're right. I do have this ADD where I'm going back and forth. I flip back and forth, flip back and forth. But I got to do this. And I always, always go back to my bills. But that's my bills and what's going to happen. <coughs> and, you know, what if this happens or that happens, you know. So <coughs> that's where I'm at. So so it's like I'm, the, I'm at this crossroads and I have to. And I'm making this so, this move, this big move, and I have to really focus in order to get there, you know. So, so <laughs> when you say um, you need to do this in order to move yourself and others out of harm's way, do you mean actual physical harm's way? Um, either they're going to beat me up or and kill me, or I'm going to just flip out and end up killing somebody. So either way, is is bad. And they know, and they listening right now, and I don't care. But I, I'm just like I have to remove myself out of this, um, this situation because it's 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 ridiculous. Nobody shouldn't be treating nobody like this. Um, I don't care, you know. I don't care what they're th- saying, what they think they're saying, what they think that junk is not right. What they're doing, and I cannot no longer. I, I've been doing it for ten, fifteen years, and they just come up with more and more stuff to throw to dump on me, other reasons to kill me, other reasons to beat me up. So I'm just, I'm ready to go. So I'm ready to go. I can't do it no more, you know. You know, I'm not the strong woman. I'm stubborn, but I, I have to I have to admit defeat. <laughs> and I can't do it. Well, I can't no longer actually, do it no more. Actually, you're a stronger woman if you will take the steps to get out of the situation. That's, yes, that's the truth. Exactly. Yeah, so um, I'm just going to the, the the making excuses to stay in something like that is actually more of a weakness. And so oh. it's actually showing how strong you are if you are willing to actually take the steps to remove yourself from the situation because you see that it you have to. And you know, the 5 of pentacles be and, and I I will say the 8 of wands being there with the speed says it's now or never. You know, it needs that's to right. happen. That's how I'm feeling, like, too. Fast. That's exactly yeah, how I'm feeling. Um, and yeah. do, do you have anyone that you can um, turn to to help you with this? Um, no, but I'm not um, I'm not really dependent on nobody. I am I'm, 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 I got it all planned out. Um, like you said, it's just about focus. So, and that's what I'm, I'm – I'll be all right. I've done this like a thousand times, but I'm, I'm kind of – I just had to make this, this this one last move, and I'll be 
I, well, I'm, I'm going to be all right. Just, I think I'm going to be all right because these people are crazy. I don't know what's going just, on. Just, just, <laughs> because, just because you used this terminology. So as I look beyond those three cards, the next two cards that I have would represent the short term and the long term. The short term would say this is what's coming next or this is the next step. And then the long term okay. would be the longer term or the bigger picture. So the short term card <laughs> is the death card. Yeah. So I I I would I don't want you to put this off beyond tomorrow. I mean, I, I would like for this to happen like now. Um, now, if we if we step away from the death card being literal, it also represents it's time for something to come to an end. It's time for us to let go. It's time for us, in some ways, to 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 leave the nest. Um, one of the symbols often associated with this card is the butterfly. So it's a sense that it's time for us to leave the cocoon and spread our wings and fly up and away. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm going to keep encouraging you, make this happen now. <laughs> it, con- it, it concerned me when you actually used that terminology because this card was here. Yeah, well, that's what I'm kind of facing. So, and um, and And I don't know what their issue, I don't really know what their real issue is. Um, they'll tell you she did this, she did that. They got a whole list of everything I've done. But I, I don't know why because I know people who've done, I mean, real serious stuff. What you got is everyday stuff that everyday people do. But they're, you know, they're making it as in, you know, it's something that's that's so, I don't know, what's wrong with them. So, I mean, either way, I'm ready, but I'm I'm kind of tired. If they're not going to do anything with me, then I have to leave. <laughs> That's how I feel it. If they're not going to kill me, then I have to leave because I can't deal with it. I can't do all this. They're crazy, you know. Well, yes, it's 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 time to leave, and it's. I mean, the Five of Pentacles says it's it's because it's in actually the position of what can help, but it says that it's better to deal with whatever, you know, not paying the bills and whatever credit score hit and financial issues and difficulties that may entail. Better to 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 cause that and to endure that than it right. is to continue to put yourself in physical harm's way. Right. So it's like saying, exactly. you know, not paying the bills, trying trying to use the bills as an excuse of, oh, I don't want to hurt my credit score or whatever. That's not worth Are you it. Trying to, I'm see. trying to be mature about it. That's how I was looking at it. But, you know, but I Well, guess. we understand, okay. yeah. But sometimes <laughs> there are things that are more important than that, like our own physical safety and well-being. Yeah. So. And it's time to put your yourself, your physical safety and well-being mm-hmm. as more important than missing a payment on a bill. That's my plan, though. Mm-hmm. So, so hopefully this will serve as a an encouragement <laughs> to it's light true. a fire under you to start making this happen now, like tomorrow, rather than putting it off any longer and having any sort of excuses or justifications to continue to wait. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll, I'll be all right. It'll come. Everything will come together in, in its due time. 
But I already got it all mapped out. I got it all budgeted out. And, uh, well, yeah. well, the Eight of Wands, though, says, okay, you've got it all mapped out. Now it's time to actually put it into action. Yeah, the AD, it, yeah, yeah. The ADD. Yeah, I know. <laughs> got you. Yeah. yeah. Focus, Don't let focus, anything focus. distract you. Yeah, right. Focus, focus, focus. Because and there's the hangman which says, "This is the year where we need to turn our world upside down to approach oh, to do things." Be one. Uh-huh. Well, it, it, it's time. Oh, I'm ready for it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're ready, then pull the trigger and make it happen. I will. Not the literal t- uh, trigger, but you know, I, yeah, yeah, literally yeah. speaking. <laughs> As soon as I get in my mouth, I'm like, okay, wait. No, I don't mean yeah. actually pull a trigger. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it is time to, you know, uh, yeah, know, initiate the action in order to move this forward, and, and we can't put it off any longer. All right. Got you. All right. All right. So hopefully that helped a little bit. Yeah. If nothing else, to, to motivate you. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, and you have a blessed night. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that's going to bring us to the conclusion of this month's show. I want to thank you very much for listening, and I want to thank Donna Lay de la Rose for having joined us um, and shared with us, and also to Harriet for being willing to call in and uh, be receptive to what it is and that the reading had to offer her. Um, I would invite you to join me here again next month. The Amethyst Oracle airs on the second Tuesday of every month. So we will be here again on May 10th. Uh, And of course, you can find this show or any other show in the Blog Talk archives or on iTunes. Um, You can also if you'd like to listen in on my uh, other show that I do called the uh, sorry called Revolution, uh, which airs on the second Sundays of each month, I invite you to check that out as well. Uh, and I will look forward to being with you here again next month. Until then, have a most amazing, wonderful, blessed month. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please join us next time for Convergence with John Carousella, Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. Mm-hmm.